is Chilwell. Werner! It's been a big gap between his last goal and this one, but he's picked a big moment to find the back of the net again. So yeah. Why I mean, did the heart just come up on my screen? That'd be me, mate. That'd be me. Have you uh, pressed the button yet? Yeah, of course I have. Of course you have. Um, I mean, I'm still listening to the same album as last week, so I don't really have anything to add. Oh, also, jingles are on the way. Epic. Yeah, that's... They're on the way. Um, but yes, uh, <laughs> pre-ramble over. Uh, I'm Jay McIntosh, joined by Daniel Charles. Welcome back to the Every Other Sunday podcast. Um, do you want to talk about football? Finally. I thought Millie Bright had quite a poor game. Mm. Again. Mm. I want to talk about that game first. But to be honest, if you're talking about the second City goal. I think the first one as well, man. Mm. I really like... I thought the second City goal was because of... Wasn't it Kirby passed the ball back? In a yeah, really dangerous position and shouldn't have done yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, But still, still, like, Millie Bright's the centre-back and captain. I, I think she is... She is one of those centre-backs that I think does need protection in front of her. And because this team's quite offensive... Um, like, you saw her say, for instance, like, the Wolfsburg second leg. The team was much more shaped and sort of structured to be a little bit more counter-attacking and I think that suits her game a little bit more I think as this team in particular against better opposition tries to be a little bit more expansive her lack of mobility and especially if she gets turned it's very difficult you know I think it's quite easy for for fast attackers to get around her Um, I think I remember watching the goal that I think was it Alex Morgan who scored against England in the World Cup, I want to say, in 2019. It was a 2-1 game. And I distinctly remember, I think it was a ball into the box that just Millie Bright wasn't quick enough to get to. So you, we had this conversation the other week. I think they may be looking to upgrade in that area um, for someone alongside Ericsson that maybe is a little bit faster in that area, potentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, she's been great for Chelsea, but I don't think she's had her best season when Chelsea are having a very good season. She's she's had amazing moments, but that's kind of what you expect from a player of her quality or experience. But I don't know, in major games, I've not been too impressed with her. And, you know, I don't want to be overly critical and start a podcast on that note, but I really, you know, I, I think she needs to just, just, you know, just have a quick reflection. And I'm sure Hayes is, is working on that. And, what about and, the save, though, from Berger? Yeah, but I mean, I want her in the Chelsea men's team goal. Like, it was just, when you saw, the first time I saw it in live, I, I thought, that's a ridiculous save. The second time with an angle, I think they put a camera in the goal or something. It got a deflection on the way through as well. Mm. It comes at her fast just on a normal header, but it gets a deflection on it at the same time and she still manages to get a hand to it, gets it onto the crossbar and then it comes out. And that's probably one Chelsea the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, you could make a strong case for her being the most important Chelsea player this season. 
you might not win that argument, but you could put forward a very strong case because, you know, the person that might win it. I mean, Sam Kerr. Again, yeah, I just think in the second half, in particular, the last few months of the season, which were always so critical, she's just, I mean, her and Kirby, the, the relationship those two have, but in particular, Kerr, I mean, she's just been ridiculous, hasn't she, in front of goal in terms of the, the amount of goals she scored and also the what she does for that team, I think, for opposing defences, like just, you can tell City at times were just terrified to really go for it. You know, because there is always that option that Chelsea could just float a ball, especially Kirby could just drop a little bit deeper, float a ball behind their defence and, and curves away. I mean, she nearly scores a winner in like the dying seconds as well. So all round, um, it's just, it's freakishly good goal scoring on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, I think those two would probably be the top two, wouldn't they? I guess if you were to say in terms of importance, yeah. but then I mean, you got to say that Fran Kirby, what she's done this season with her story has been remarkable and the amount she creates for Kerr, you know, that relationship, that striking partnership is, is you know, does Kerr operate as well without Kirby next to her, you know, in the same team? And Penilla Harder as well. She's, I think, well, most, I think most of the team is like, maybe it's a bit like Kerr, you know, took a little bit of time to adapt, but, you know, Harder now is... Um, you feel is fully adapted to the team. I loved Emma Hayes' interview post-game. Post yeah, it was good. I just loved the honesty of it. Just like, I just did not enjoy watching that at all. Because sometimes, you know, you see managers, they're just constantly like diplomatic and well, you know, it's a good performance. I just love the fact she was just completely honest and just, that's that's an interview you just wouldn't get in, in a in a Man City-Chelsea game. We wouldn't hear Tuchel say something like that. You know, and I wish actually we would because I think it's a lot more endearing to to hear that honesty. And to say, I just didn't enjoy watching that game because it wasn't an enjoyable watch in the second half. You know, it did feel like Chelsea were clinging on a bit at the end. But, you know, they yeah, should 100%. get the job done now. And if City slip up in the next... How many points is it? It's two points. So, or three points. So, it was two-point um, gap. And then they, then there was the draw. So, oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Two points. Yeah, two, yeah, point, it's two points. Um, sorry. So, they could win it, of course, if Man City slip up. Um, you know, you fully expect this Chelsea team to get the job done, win the final two games and, and get the title. And then, of course, today we've got the Bayern Munich first leg away from home. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be an, that's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, they, they obviously lost their first league game to, to Hoffenheim in the week. So they are beatable, you know. It's going to be a very interesting watch. I don't know how easy it's going to be in any shape or form, but I still believe that the Chelsea team is better. They can't give away as many chances as they did in the first leg to Wolfsburg. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. If they play like that level, because they got quite, you know, that might be the game. So lucky. You know, if they, win the, if they win the Champions League this year, I think that may be the game everyone goes back to. And went, okay, that's where you got all your luck in one game, you know, because yeah. the second leg, they were really good. But the, the first leg, the amount of chances, especially in that first half that Wolfsburg didn't score, might be a, you know, a sliding doors moment in the Champions League for Chelsea this year. To be honest, I think in the, in the second leg game against Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg could have scored two or three. So, you know, not easy, but obviously today is Sunday, uh, the 25th of April. So let's hope that things go well. And then when people listen to this, 
they can look back on it, you know, and reflect and say, oh yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea done, done buying over, always good. But going on to the, uh, the the men's team, I mean, I'm still not enjoying it as much as I was. Did you think I I I was sat there after like chatting with my dad later and I was like, this is supposed to be like the big win of the season and it didn't feel like it. Was that just like it just the game seemed to pass by pretty quickly in my eyes. Like I expected it compared to last weekend against Man City when we were one nil up. I don't know if this has got anything to do with what's happened this week. Um, and just my mind, you know, I think everyone's mind is is trying to get back to the actual football and focusing on the football, which is what we want to do. Um, or maybe it's just a case, as I said in my review last night, I just wonder if it's just took all so far, just mastering the one nil. Like it's it's the old school Chelsea when they go a go ahead. They ain't losing. They ain't conceding. You know, there's a the lack of threat last night from West Ham. There are a few moments, but, you know, whether it was Christensen putting in the blocks, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, even Mason at one point got a really key block in, uh, tracking back. Um, the way we limited their best attacking threats, um, I expected more from West Ham. I did, because I thought this was their biggest game in quite a long time. And I, I know they're missing some very key players, and that may be the reason why... They start to fall off in the, the remaining weeks of the season, but um, it was pretty calm, wasn't it? I mean, it was just a it just seemed like Chelsea once they got the goal, that was it. Yeah, could have got more as well. I, I reckon it should have been three nil. I really do. Um, well, at least it should have been two. It should have been you know, Timo. Timo should have got two goals. Yeah, that's something we'll, we'll talk about in in a second, I'm sure. But yeah, do you know what I think it is as well? Like it's a mix between the ESL stuff, but. On the whole, I believe that most of the, the fan base is, is is rallying behind the players and against the board. Obviously, you and I were on the members, like the Chelsea members meeting or whatever it was called. Supporters Trust meeting. Get it right, Supporters, Jay McIntosh. Supporters Trust meeting, sorry. Yeah, that which is um which is good. Interesting. Obviously, I cast my vote again. Well, not again, but I cast my vote this morning. Um, And also just, you know, when you messaged me on WhatsApp a few, a few evenings ago and you know, four points from West Brom, Palace and Brighton. I, I just think that's that has been underwhelming and the win against West Ham was was more, you know, just a, a cathartic result. Like, oh, finally, OK, we got the win we needed. Liverpool dropped points and Chelsea actually capitalised for once. About time. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> About time, because I reckon Leicester are going to win. But it's, um, big, it's a big game though, isn't it? I think this team operates in big games for some reason. They can't. It's it's we're turning into the team of last year once again. I mean, I thought we'd got past this problem of us being quite good in a variety of games. It, it seemed to have switched in the first half of the season. We couldn't beat any of the top six, but we were beating everyone else. It's now switched the other way where we are beating all the top teams, but we stumble against teams we should be beating. Um, I mean, is it a positive that the remaining games of the season, with the exception of Fulham, are basically... Of course, they're all big games because they're all very important. But the opposition, the likes of Leicester, Arsenal, Man City. Um, am I missing someone out there? I don't think I am. That's Other than Fulham, yeah, that's the, the remaining four games. You know, that might actually help us in terms of performance because they're games, in particular Leicester, Arsenal, Man City, games that are big, you know, big in status, you know, big in pressure. And that probably will favour this team who doesn't seem to be able to to put on the same performances against teams they should be beating. Yeah, it's like a continual 
conundrum, isn't it, with this Chelsea team? Why do they play better against better sides? Uh, and then sort of just really take their foot off the accelerator against sides that you'd hope or assume that they would beat consistently. Um, but, you know, re- return to the game. First win away at West Ham since 2017. Chelsea now with the, the joint most clean sheets in Europe's top five leagues. 28, the same as Man City. It's, it's good stuff. Like, uh, you know, I thought Chilwell had an excellent game. I thought all three at the back had an excellent game. Pick up Ben Chilwell, come on. Um, yeah, Mace obviously outstanding once again. His his uh, like his technical ability, like his dribbling is is so good. I don't think people talk about that. You were just taking a mick once again yesterday. Like there was moments where I just yeah. thought this guy's just he was taking long range shots like Frank, and I was like, if he starts screwing them, then you know it's game over for everyone else. If he starts if yeah. he starts bagging them, um, and it's nice to see because Chelsea don't take a lot of shots outside the box, so anymore so I, I i like to see that from mason and there was some nice technique they weren't like you know ziash took one and there was a few other players who take them and it's just like the amount of times we get that like, kovacic takes one and it's just the most awful shoot you've ever seen in your life they, these were actually very well placed shots that tested fabianski in particular yeah. the one that dropped to timo Werner. i'm not i'm i'm gonna be very praised like, i'm gonna praise timo a lot this this pod because i believe he deserves it what I like about him is, and it's something Alan Shearer pointed out, was, you know, he always gets in the good positions. If you keep trying and keep trying, it will come. And, it, and you know, he got his goal. Excellent build-up play from him as well. Like, he held the ball up really well, chose the right pass, held his run, got himself into the right position and, and you know, done the job. And that's exactly what you're asking for from him. And, you know, he, he ended the game with a big smile on his face and he clearly took the positives out of that game rather than the negatives. And that's something I, I believe the fan base... You know, should do. It's not like he doesn't deserve criticism, but I do think he deserves a little bit more praise than what he gets. It's purely because, you know, his technical ability is quite weak and it's it's poorer than people thought it was. In terms of first touch, you know, right, like dribbling, all those things where where you know, for example, someone like Pulisic who stands out massively in those areas, it's Timo doesn't. But yeah, you know, he six shots yesterday, two on target. He was he was the guy that scored the winner. Um, I'm happy for him, man. I really am. I think that's exactly what he needed, and it's exactly what squad needed. You know that the players rally behind him. Lots of fans doing the same, and it's good stuff. And you know, once again, we return to it. It's going to be added to the bingo card. The the, the Chelsea players collecting moments, and he's got the assist that put us into the FA Cup final, and he got the winner in the big game against West Ham. So. He's doing his bit. He's doing his bit. He's. I think he's. I think he's perfectly fine. And next season he'll be very good. I really do think that. And I won't be too upset if we don't sign a big striker, because um, you know we've got goals everywhere, and and we also saw the return, the return of of Tammy Abraham. Yeah, obviously missed from about half a yard out. But let's be real, the cross was um. It was not the easiest. And also, once we get to high. that stage of added time, I don't really care. It should keep the ball as far away from our goal as possible. And I was like, it's, when he missed yeah. it, I was like, when he missed it, I was like, okay, that's the game over then. So I'm like, thank, like, I just, it's not as, yeah, yeah I mean, I, it wasn't, it was an awkward, um, it could have been a better cross for Mason. He does have, you know, he is a very tall player, Tammy. Um, I think he could have done better to to maybe direct it, but it was just nice seeing Tammy out there again. I just don't understand why Tuchel doesn't put him on the bench. I wanted to, we instead of, because we had to speak about the European Super League on Monday, one of the points I made last night on my video was that 
I just think Tuchel not putting Tammy on the bench is potentially creating a problem and discussion for himself that he doesn't need when the team's doing well. I'm not saying none of us expect Tammy Abraham to be a guaranteed starter anymore because that just doesn't look like it's going to happen. But Mm. I don't understand having two left backs on the bench. You know, when I'm hearing quotes, Tuchel made quotes comparing Tammy to Emerson and Tammy to Kepa. I mean, just silly to me. You know, I don't understand why in a situation like last night where maybe you want a bit more physical presence, this team still doesn't have guaranteed goals. I don't think, you know, despite Timo having a good game, we need as many goals as possible for the rest of the season. If Tammy and Giroud on the bench, they're two good options to have if, if Tuchel wants to switch things up. In a defensive sense, if he wants a more physical presence to hold up the ball in the final 10 minutes of a, of a game to relieve pressure, to potentially add another striker. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why he hasn't been on the bench. Um, and uh, his, his mentality, you know, his, his application, absolutely spot on as you expect from Tammy Abraham because he's that sort of professional. Um, so yeah, it was, just, it was just nice to see him. I mean, I, I really don't want to see him now out of the squad for the next two games. I don't think there's an excuse why... That shouldn't happen because you don't know what's going to happen in the game. You know, Timo had a good game last night, but there's every chance as he has for a lot of games recently, you know, fades out the next couple of games and he doesn't have that much of an impact or where, you know, imagine next weekend against Fulham, you know, where we're struggling to break them down and you need a, a, a player in the box who's a bit of a poacher who can score from close range from those low crosses into the box like Ben Chua put in. I'd like Tammy Abraham to at least be on the bench. So so that's my feelings on Tammy. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. He he should at least be on the bench. Um, and credit to him, he got into some decent positions when he was on the pitch. You know, it's tough. I, he could have done a bit better, but the cross was not not great. It was too high. It's only because he was so close that maybe you can argue he could have done a bit better. But realistically, the cross wasn't, wasn't great. Um, I thought Pulisic, I didn't. I think he was perhaps the the poorest player on the pitch, and I don't think he had a terrible game. I just think everyone else had you know slightly better games. Um, he looked a bit lost, you know. Jam, you know, uh, Jam he pointed out that uh, Pulisic takes too long to to pass the ball, and I I think he's right there. Little bit too little bit too long on the ball. Um, however, my, my point was is that his instinct is to retain the ball and then dribble and then see what he can do, which means that perhaps passing isn't the first thing that comes to him. But over time, you know, he'll he'll make those decisions uh, better and better and better. So, you know, I can't really criticise him too much. Kante done really well, dropping into the back five whenever we looked exposed, made Lingard, you know, look as good as Lingard's been for the last five years. So... Um, yeah, I, I can't really fault anyone. I do want to talk about uh, I do want to talk about Ben Chilwell because I personally feel very smug about this. It's hard not to be. Feel. Yes, it's hard not to be because you know after Leeds, I was sat here and I was like, he's our best left back, you know, and or left wing back. And I was saying this when he was out the team. I was saying that I don't want to be a guy you know I hate hate being a guy like I told you so because as I always say a football there like you say 10 things there's a likelihood you get five right and five wrong so you know I've said things on this podcast before and my YouTube channel that have not turned out to be true so it's none of that it's just I think there's a bit of personal vindication for Ben Sherwell 
because I don't know. I just I, I hope people maybe are eating a bit of humble pie right now in terms of some of the stuff that was, you know, writing him off very early when he had a re- when you actually think about it. I was just assessing this last night, and this is pretty much Chelsea season, um, with the exception of like one bad month where everything went wrong <laughs> under Frank. Really, if you think about it and analyze it, Ben Chilwell's had a pretty excellent first season for Chelsea. You know, I think about his first sort of couple of months. Um, what was it? Because he, he was injured at the start of the season. So maybe late September, October, November. I thought he st- he asserted himself really well in that back four. I thought he, w- he was brilliant. Then he has a bad few months, Take gets out of the team under Tuchel, but then comes back in now. And you think about his form that he's had consistently. Like people have said, oh, it's only the last two games. Now, I disagree. I mean, go back to the Man United game, uh, Liverpool way. Pretty international break. He had a great game against Sheffield United. I think every time I've watched Ben Sherwell play, he's um, he's been on a good run of form for him. Him and Mason, for me, are the top two. But I mean, maybe you say Ed- Edward Mendy as well in terms of consistency. But he's been on a good run of form for a long time now, uh, Ben Sherwell. And it's it's a variety of things. It's his offensive ability. It's his acceleration. That cross into the box is the sort of cross I think we don't do enough because... Especially when we don't have a physical presence, a typical number nine up there. When you're going, as Tuchel seems to be at the moment, for a more false nine, you know, smaller player up there. Those low crosses into the box are actually a lot better for those players to deal with, you know, rather than uh, just hoofing it into the box against those centre-backs of West Ham. The the likes of Timo are never going to win. So those low crosses into the box really help a player like Timo and it it shows the intelligence of Ben Chua when he gets into those positions. Um... His acceleration going each way, his defensive ability. I think the way he uses his physicality, despite not being the tallest player, I think he's really, you know, the amount of aerial duels he wins, you know, when he's he goes up against um, a taller player, but uses his, you know, whether it's his shoulder to get, to get himself in the right position, his body positioning to be able to get into the right position to leap and win the ball, I think is so important. Look at him last weekend against Man City. Um, such a big performance there that there's a consistency to him you can play him against a wide array of opposition I felt last summer out of all the signings we made signing a new left back was the, the most important signing we simply had to make it there was you know there was we had to improve that area of the pitch and um, it's just great to see that Ben is is, is proving his worth absolutely um, now and, and there's a consistency to his performance he's absolutely the first choice left wing back you know, there's no argument for, for Marcus Alonso for me coming back into this side because every now and then Marcus Alonso will do something good. But there's not... A, even when Marcus Alonso came back into this side, I, I was still doubtful about his overall game. You know, he'd do one good thing, but then he'd do something wrong. And I was like, there's an erratic side. I don't even think he's good enough to be the left wing back anymore, which is what his specialist position is. And uh, that West Brom performance for me, sort of, (laughs) I know it sounds horrible, but it's all very this season for me because I was like, yeah, that's Demarcus Alonso, I know. And Ben's levels have been so good and he links up so well with a variety of players. Um, It seems that him and Rudiger have a really good relationship there. You know, I've seen him several times, the way they've dealt with wide attackers against uh, Liverpool, against Man United and against West Ham yesterday. I think I'm really intrigued to see what Ben does to, um, on Tuesday against Real Madrid. That's going to be a massive, massive test for him personally, as as it is for the whole team. But absolutely, Ben Sherwell. I, I was thinking it was like a two-way tie for, between Ben and Mason for man of the match personally for me yesterday. 
Yeah, I, I probably would have given it to Timo just just because I I think it's good for his confidence. Hmm. But realistically, yeah, I I believe those two have had had better games. In terms of consistency this season, I wouldn't put Chilwell top three, but he's definitely had a, a good season. I'd, I'd have Mount, Mendy, and Aspi. I think Aspi's had a very good season once again. Um, and well, Rudiger, of... what about Rudiger? Because you know it's easy to forget uh, that Rudiger. No, but it's easy to forget that Rudiger didn't get in. Here we go. No, no, no. I'm not. No, he's go. not. He's not. The no, listen. Begins. No, listen. Yeah. The, agenda, the Rudiger agenda begins. No, listen. Yeah. No, listen. Yeah. Go on. It's not. He is no way near. Um, being the best player of the season, none of, like Christensen's not, Jorginho's not, Kovacic's not. None of, the, none of these players who've come in, you know, since took has arrived. You have to have a full nine months for me to 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 be yeah. in the and Chilwell because he had that bad month, he gets taken out of that for me. And also he was out the team for a little bit as well. So no, I'm not. No, I'm just saying. I think when you actually look at it, you know, Rudiger was out of the team for most of the first half of the season. I can think of like one bad performance personally from him against Leicester. I think it was um, uh, in in January. But other than that, I think there's praise on him as well. You know, I, I think that he's had a good season, um, or at least you know, just personally, especially the second half of the. Season. I mean, there's a lot of players in the second half of the season that have elevated their game and have sort of salvaged their season. There are outstanding candidates, and you know, Masons. I think head and shoulders above everyone else yeah, like he's, yeah. he's gone he's out you know he's he's won it um and yeah mendy i think would be second it's a shame tiago got injured when he did and he was out for that long because i think tiago silver has just got back to what he was doing before you know it's so efficient so calm in the back line you know just his positioning i just think it's all the when you watch tiago silver's game it's the small things he does that just impress me the most um it's the way he makes everything. It, it's what you expect from a veteran of the game, a world-class defender. Just he just always knows where to be. Um, he just it, his positioning. It, it's it's those intelligent things like judging where the flight of a ball is going to land. You know where to put his body in the best position to defend the ball. Um, working with his fellow centre backs and defenders to to marshal that that background. I mean, I have to say, I did think it was quite poor, and I think all three of the centre backs. Or at least two of them were quite sloppy in possession. There was a few times where I think either Christensen or Rudiger gave the ball away unenforced, just just to West Ham, just passed the ball straight to them. Luckily, it didn't lead to anything. Um, but but once again, that defensive structure that's, that served us so well it, it is looking really strong. No, I I agree. I think Rudiger deserves a lot of praise. It's uh, I still don't think he's particularly likable, but. On the pitch, he's been very good. When you know when he's played, uh, he's still still got a howler in him. That is not gone. I don't think that'll ever go from his game. But due to the level of his performances, sometimes that's acceptable. So so yeah, I don't know, man. Like it's it's going to be really interesting to see who plays against Madrid and how we play because obviously it's going to be Kante, Jorginho in the midfield. Still, still can't believe Jorginho wears a captain's armband. Um, that's just shocking to me. He wasn't wearing it yesterday. I mean, he has been wearing it for a long time. <sighs> Did he not get given it yesterday? Dave didn't get... Dave was on... Do you do realise Dave was on the pitch? Yeah, and he got taken off. Oh, yeah, he might have for the final, like, five minutes. I must have missed that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. No, your agenda is is right on this one. <laughs> like, 
I just can't, I actually can't believe it. I, I cannot believe it. And it's not even like, I don't like the guy. I actually think he's a good player. I just don't think he should be wearing that armband. It's not, it's not like a biggest deal, but what is going You're on? You're going to see Jay running onto the pitch next season when... when uh... <laughs> just take it off him. Just give me that. Get off. Do you know what I mean? I show him how to long pass and then I take the captain's armband off. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I can feel, can feel, feel the Sarri sexuals coming for me. They'll probably, be, they'll probably be moving to Spurs, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is going to be... Oh, it's going to be fun, isn't it? That is going to be thought, absolutely I love amazing. it because it's like... I don't know. It, would you equate it to like the Fast and Furious movies that just never end and you think that the Sarri time is over, it's getting further and further away in the distance, but no, you thought the Sarri wars were over. Oh no, they are coming back in full force. Could you imagine Jorginho goes with Sarri to uh, Tottenham? I, I reckon we'll see a mass migration. I, I really do. I don't mind either. I don't mind. But um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. That's just an agenda that I'm just, I'm quietly running but uh, yeah I, I yeah no you're right I, Jorginho had a good game though um I, everyone had a good game actually the I, I didn't I wasn't too impressed with Ziek when he came on he made one good pass to uh he actually to was he, yeah he should have received the ball twice as well um when Kante was breaking towards the end of the game he just didn't get given it I'm not not entirely sure why Kante didn't play that pass, but you know, I, again, I, I don't believe Kante is a particularly strong short passer, so maybe he feels more comfortable running with the ball than than laying a pass off. But you know, that, that, that's purely speculation. But looking ahead, looking ahead to to midweek, based off of today, like you know, che- well, okay, now Chelsea are three points into the top four. Liverpool drop points against Newcastle. I'm still confident it's going to be a Chelsea-Liverpool top four with United and City. I'm not sure now. I am not sure. Liverpool have to go to Man United next week. And if they lose that and we beat Fulham, how many? We're four points clear of them now. Yeah, let me let me just double check. Is it, and Leicester, Leicester playing today? Leicester are playing today. Or to, no, I actually think it's tomorrow against Maybe Crystal Monday. Palace, I think. You expect, yeah, I mean, they efficiently done West Brom the other day. I mean, that, that game was just a bit of a waste of time watching after 45 minutes. Uh, but yeah, you want you want Leicester to stumble because it drags them further into it. I can't, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's really tough between them and Liverpool, like, and us as well, and Chelsea, like, you know, Leicester, obviously, they got Palace and Southampton. Then they've got um, Newcastle and then they have um, Man United and then they got Chelsea and then they got Spurs. I mean, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. They got Chelsea, Man United, Spurs. It's going to be intriguing. I, I wonder if, you know, Jose leave it. Can we just touch on Jose Mourinho? Leave? That, that, I love it. I just completely went under the radar this week. Jose Mourinho got sacked on, what was it, Monday? No one cares. You know, like, who, who cares about it? anymore like there's more important things to do i i find that a really interesting decision um i find it interesting because all i've been told for two years is that you know Mourinho just wins trophies so there's just there's no excuse you know there's no, no argument against what he does and i've been saying for like two years they're playing worse and worse football they're getting further away from champions league winning a league cup doesn't change you know, winning a League Cup for me 
isn't going to change their fortunes that drastically um, for not being in the Champions League. And it just, to me, sums up why did they let Mauricio Pochettino go? And I'm sure for some Spurs fans, that really hurts right now. The fact that there are probably some of them thinking, we let him go, we sacked him for this. It's a bit like what's going on with Frank. You want Tuchel to go. You want Tuchel to win the Premier League. You want him to win everything because then it justifies you can get past the pain of that decision. If you get if you sack Pochettino and then you regress after that, I I wonder where Mourinho is going to go next. I I think it may be international now. I think he has to go international. Do you know what I would like him to go? I would love him to go to Celtic. Can you imagine the scenes that guy? I bet. Do you know what? As well, I bet Celtic fans love it. He would. He would. Him. Oh my God! Can you imagine? I don't know. Is Scott Brown retiring at the end of the season? I don't know. Someone will have to let me know about that. But can you imagine Mourinho and Scott Brown? Those two would be torching Scotland. Torching it. It'd be amazing. Um, but you know, it's causing to question if we talk about Mourinho quickly, because I, I still like Mourinho. I. It's, you can't not like the guy. He's, he's Chelsea's greatest Chelsea. ever manager. Yeah, him or Frank sure. Lampard. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry. I know there's already people typing tweets like, oh, how dare you? No, uh, yeah, no. Uh, Mourinho, Mourinho or um, Ancelotti for me. But um, Yeah, that's the t- it was interesting last week that Everton played Spurs and I just it hit me when they were doing the interviews. I was like, yeah, Chelsea's probably two greatest ever managers going against each other. And it's like, because it's been so long since it's happened and so much has happened since then for for both of those and for Chelsea. It just, you forget about, you know, these two figures. Yeah, I want to make it abundantly clear. You know, Jose Mourinho at his peak was just absolutely incredible. My, I think my problem is now is just, it's not the same guy. Or it's the, he just isn't getting the same results anymore. And, and you can quite clearly see... The, the Jose of, of 0405 that was just an incredible manager. Um, in terms of, you know, there's always been an argument against Jose Mourinho that he doesn't leave any legacies at, at the clubs he's at. I completely disagree in the case of Chelsea the first time. Um, the way he changed the mentality of that team, you know, there's an argument there was a lot of Mourinho in our Champions League win in 2012. Um, just what he's done yes i know he he's for some people him going to man united all the nonsense that went on with conte and of course going to spurs it, it's for some people that's just a step too far and I, I can i can understand that but personally for me objectively him going to spurs him going to man united doesn't change what happened in 0405 all the wonderful memories we had with jose Mourinho, the big performances you know he still has to his name the best chelsea team of all time he just does um, and until that changes, you know, you've got to put respect. The 0405 team that we love speaking about um, so much, he managed that team. You know, he orchestrated that team tactically. That's uh, so you've always got to appreciate Mourinho for what he's done with this club. Um, and that does he have does he have another big club in him though? Well, I get the, the difference is, isn't it? Is I have to be careful with my with the sort of semantic argument here. I think he's got a big club in him, but there's a difference between a big club and a club that's currently challenging for serious silver I just don't, I just don't think the style of play is effective anymore I just think, not the... think do you not think in somewhere like uh just just hypothetically like like uh like Lazio potentially Roma. potentially yeah potentially he could go to a yeah 
maybe at a smaller club like going back to sort of his roots in a sense of where he started his career without big investment I just think the style of play just doesn't suit the modern game especially at the top level of the, the Premier League it's the style isn't it like hanging players out to dry is so outdated I just think like that way of doing things is really it's just not how it's so tired, isn't it? It's so, so boring now just to hear him consistently blaming players. And it's like, yeah, but as a manager who's, you know, you, in terms of what they've done for football, you could argue, I don't know, if there's not really many, besides Pep maybe, there's not many managers that have contributed more that are still managing. Ancelotti, maybe. You know, he's in a very select group. It's not even that he's evolved. It's just like you'd think with someone who's done so much would be able to take a bit of personal responsibility. And I don't know, there's something like beautifully chaotic about Levy getting rid of him just before they play the cup final. That's such a power play. It's, it's a dickhead move, but I'd be amazed if Spurs win anyway. Obviously, Ryan Mason will be Spurs' second most successful manager if they do win today, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe international football, but even then, like, I don't know, man. The, the, shift, in, the shift in football now and, and the way that, like, the people who love Mourinho in terms of players, you know, a lot of them are retiring or... or, or they're you know, old, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not players yeah. that you can rely on for your future. You know, the way he... When I've said I've credited people like uh, jo- uh, Julian Nagelsmann and I've said this is a really exciting coach, I actually think that'd be a brilliant appointment by Spurs because I actually hope not. before before we before we appointed Thomas Tuchel, I thought I'd love Julian Nagelsmann at Chelsea. Yeah, um, and people go, "What has Julian Nagelsmann won?" You know, Jose Mourinho. You know, he he's guaranteed to win you a trophy at every club. And not not anymore. Um, I always and, think the argument's funny, you know, because it's like well, because well, it's like you, to, you to what end? Not managers. But, but it's like, to what end though? It's like a League Cup. It's the same thing that's happened with Chelsea in recent years and, and clubs like Arsenal. You know, you trophies are amazing. You know, trophies on their day when you win a trophy, it's like the best feeling in the world. If you're thinking more clinically and just objectively about trophies, sometimes they don't have a transformative effect. And it's not to say that trophies don't. Every supporter wants to win trophies. Every player wants to win trophies in their career. But it's this argument that just it's you can play the worst football ever. You can take some brilliant attacking players that Spurs have. I never bought the argument that that Spurs squad is not good enough. I absolute, absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Uh, Reggion, uh, Tonga and Dembele, who's actually had a really good season. Harry, Ke- Harry Kane, Hyun Min Son, uh, Lucas Moore, Lo Celso, Gareth, Gareth Bale. Bale. Yeah. I mean, this is not... I probably missed someone out. Uh, Deli Ali, if you could get him back to some sort of I level. Like I like I still think Lloris has yeah. a lot to offer. Lloris you know is I mean? a good I shot like stopper. I like Broden as well. Mm. Uh, Hoiberg's had a very good season. Their, their team is really quite good. Even yeah. Vinicius as a second striker is a very good player. Like. It's just the argument that somehow they're, they, it's an awful squad. It's just absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And it's it's it was this constant argument, you know, the lack of a, attacking plans they had it seemed like you know the the game against Chelsea back in February was just awful in that first half Mm. you know it was just Chelsea were just able to walk up to their stadium just do whatever they wanted and that was a time when Chelsea was sort of that was the very early days of Thomas Tuchel and I was just like 
where's this big game from Jose Mourinho coming? You know, it's just every time we get to a big game with Jose, now it's like, oh, the big game, Jose Mourinho. You know, you'd want him in one game. I wouldn't want him in one game anymore because I, I've I, the evidence is just stacking up over a number of years that every time he comes up against one of his uh, contemporaries, you know, a, a top coach, whether that's a Thomas Tuchel, whether that's a Pep Guardiola, whether that's a Jurgen Klopp, who's had a terrible season. But Jurgen Klopp beat Jose Mourinho twice this year as well. Um, you know, it, it's the, the way Man United easily rolled them over the other week. It's just, it, it, it's, so the only reason I say international football is because it's a tournament uh, approach. And as we'll see, I think at the Euros this year, it's about small, fine margins in games. And I just wonder whether he could just in short bursts, could Mourinho work a lot more efficiently than over a season? It's quite clear his methods wane very quickly now they they don't even have it, it seems what is it not yeah. even one season not even two seasons it's it, it it so maybe in short bursts that could work a lot better in in, in an international tournament i just it, it's nice to consider though like what if he was just if he went to a club where there was no pressure to win things and he was given unlimited time to build them I don't know if it's done, and I don't know if he's capable of doing it. But can you imagine him somewhere like Betis, where you know one is beautiful area, you know the squad has decent players, and and he's just given time. But I don't know whether he. I think he sees, sees himself, himself above himself. that. I think he sees himself above that now. I think he thinks I've done everything in the game. You know, I think he sees himself. It's quite clear he gets very aggravated, and it was the case at Chelsea where his teams wouldn't get as much appreciation. And that was fair when Chelsea were winning Premier League titles and I was seeing more credit for teams like Arsenal finishing fourth. Like, yeah, that's... But when you're finishing, when you're taking your team further back than when you arrived, it's not, you know, it's not a good look. Um, and I just think there are better coaches that people, the top clubs should be investing in now. I just don't think the evidence is there anymore that he he has it in him to transform clubs. You know, there was an argument that when he was at Spurs that because it was a bit like when he first arrived at Chelsea, you know, taking a club that was nearly there and taking them to that level. He, the, this, the experiment here has completely failed. You know, Spurs have regressed since Pochettino left. You know, that's Levy's such a vanity guy, isn't he? It's, it's, it's a shame. Well, it's not a shame, but it's... Well, I have to say, Levy would be very scared and the Tottenham board would be very scared after that amazing protest outside their stadium on, on Wednesday evening. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. How are you? How are you feeling for the return of Eden Hazard? I mean, I'm I'm excited to see him again. It's not, it's nice to see him back on the football pitch. Um, I'm more excited to see uh, <laughs> Thibaut Courtois and and I want I want full scale Antonio Rudiger. I want I want <laughs> if I'm if I'm took one, I'm going to Antonio Rudiger. I just, just the like, do what you're doing training. Do, do we do doing training? You know, that's Kepper in goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's such a rude thing to say, isn't it? Um, I, do you know what? I'm scared because I've ran an agenda all season against a certain Real Madrid player, and if he comes to score against Who? us, Vinicius. Yeah, because he I was incredible against. Um, it wasn't. No, it was. Was it Liverpool in the first leg? I remember him having a really good game yep. in the previous round, as well. Um, that really impressed me. Listen, it's going to be a big, big game because uh, I look at that midfield of Real Madrid and I just think, Jesus Christ, um, they are, <laughs> they are, yeah, same. 
they are just the experience level of them in this in this stage there's a reason they've won as many champions leagues as they have it may not be the same level of team that it once was but you've still got Benzema up there you know you got you've got players who you know, Real Madrid were awful in the group stages and probably should have gone out. Just getting to this stage for me is a success. You know, if you're analysing things from this point on, top four is more important. Chelsea have to secure top four. There's no excuse. We have to get top four. And I want to win that FA Cup so desperately. Um, So, you know, those two things still for me take priority over this. You know, it's not the, our season doesn't collapse if we don't win this two-legged tie. It's an amazing opportunity to get to the, I don't want the players to go into it and not have their mentality. And they won't because Tuchel will set them up in a way. Tuchel's a very serious guy. I'm sure internally, he'll never admit it, but I'm sure internally he's thinking there's a chance for retribution here and a chance to to finally, you know, I got to the final last year. I want to go one further this year. And, and what an incredible story it would be for Thomas Tuchel to win the Champions League with Chelsea, you know, and take us from where we were in January with this particular squad, as talented as it is in certain capacities, you know, if he was to take us to a Champions League. Um, yeah, it's not a Champions League winning team. It's not, not. It's not. It's not. It doesn't include the same legends. It doesn't include this. You know, the. I think. I think this Champions League win would be a better achievement than the 2012 one. Would you agree with that? Yeah, just in terms of the squad that both you know Di Matteo had to work with, and the squad that Tuchel has, has been given. Because Di Matteo had. JT, he had Petr Cech, he had Didier Drogba, he had Frank Lampard, he had Ashley Cole, he had Branislav Ivanovic. He had, he had yeah. players that we would throw yeah, back into this Chelsea team in a heartbeat. Would beat this Chelsea team. Yeah. Yeah, okay, in that, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I'm not saying it would be better because I don't think anything can ever top Munich in the eyes of fans because it was the first time we did run, it. The run has been slightly easier this time. That's kind of nice, isn't it? We've, we've quietly just stayed there. Just, just very quietly, just kept doing our thing. Um, I really think that Real Madrid are gettable. They are not the most. They're not, you know, the imperious Real Madrid of old. It's just so classic Real Madrid towards the end of the season to be in the champ. Like they had to have a shambles of a season, and then they'll be in a Champions League semi final and probably win the league as well. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's going to be such an interesting game because they're two teams in very interesting places. You know, Chelsea are on a upward trajectory, trajectory, but nowhere near where they need to be. Uh, and Real Madrid are, are caught, aren't they, between the the old guard and the new guard? So it's going to be such an interesting game. The the City PSG uh match is also going to be a fascinating encounter i don't think we get through to the final i don't think the football universe will allow us to get to the final without psg getting to the final as well i think city will beat psg i'm not sure i think mbappe is um having just a mad season i think mbappe has decided this year i'm going to win the champions league with psg and Maybe, he's just going to single, then, you, know, you know, with all the stuff, you know, PSG, of course, I City should win the Champions League this year. I, I do. I, I think they should. I think they're, and they've been like this for a few years now. And I just wonder psychologically getting through that scare against Borussia Dortmund. You know, there will be that motivation for Pep to, to do it because winning the Premier League is still amazing, right? And especially in a pandemic, yeah, winning the Premier League is, is incredible it always is and it's you know the pinnacle in terms of domestic football you know I think there would be a sense of disappointment from Pep and I think City if from this position they don't win the Champions League as well 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that, that's the game, isn't it? Where Man City have something to prove and PSG have a a wrong to right. Whereas Chelsea and Real Madrid have a bit of a free roll because I don't think people expected either side to be there. <laughs> I mean, looking at Mbappe's numbers, I mean, he's got 54 goal contributions in 53 games in all competitions this season. I, I, that, I, I don't even know what he's doing. I don't know how he's done that, but that's unbelievable. Um, and having Neymar there is just like a... It's the cherry on top, isn't it? Because he is so good. Like, he is so good. And he's utterly hateable. But he's so, so, so good. His passing is unreal. His passing is unbelievable. Um, and what's a, what is a shame for City is that it's a real shame that Aguero is not three years younger. Because Aguero three years ago, I'd be looking at the City team now being like Foden, De Bruyne, Aguero. Oh, it's frightening. And then you've got players like Sterling, Jesus, uh, Bernardo Silva, Mares. you know, talent in abundance, Ferdinand Torres as well. Like they're, they're, Their team is unreal and their defence is immense. You know, their defence is far better than PSG's. Um, but, yeah, Mbappe, man. Like, if he decides if he decides to torch someone... Uh, did you know the only benefit is Carl Walker is quick enough? He is, he is, he is. Like, everyone would be like, you know, Mbappe is uncatchable. Like, there are players that are just as fast as Mbappe. Carl Walker, fortunately, is one of them. Um, I expect yeah, that. Branislav Ivanovic is probably as quick as Mbappe. <laughs> Oh, I heard that he beat him in a foot race. Mm. I heard Branislav done him in 100 metres. by not surprise me. No, no, me neither. He's always been rapid. Um, Kaylon Navas, I like him in goal. And either of those two teams, obviously the, one of those two are the favourites for the Champions League, aren't they? Uh, you know, Pep, Pep in a final is something I, I really don't, don't like the idea of. I'd rather play Poch. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'd rather, yeah, if you, someone's asked me, like, I don't really want to play City again because we, we're going to play them again in a couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And the narrative surrounding Chelsea, PSG, I mean, it's just, there's so much, it's not only Tuchel and PSG, it's the fact that all the, the history of us against PSG in the Champions League since 2014. Thiago Silva. Um, Thiago Silva. Um, there is... There is so much stuff within there I think you could delve into for that final that I think is quite interesting. Um, oh, listen to this selfish content creator, Daniel Childs, wants Chelsea PSG. <laughs> oh, no. Evil content creator wants his club to reach a Champions League final. What a horrible person. Selfish person. Sammy Abraham to start. But, yeah, I want, I want Billy Gilmore to start as well. Oh, I actually would. I'd start Billy Gilmore. Give me that. <laughs> Yeah, come at me, come on. I had people yesterday calling me Brexit. Brexit. Oh yeah, you said you said it to you. you and that made me laugh. That was as that was as entertaining as anything going on in that game yesterday to me. Yeah. Well, I felt vindicated because I said this game's calling out for Tammy and Cho, and then Tammy came on. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe Cho gets to go against Real Madrid. I doubt it. Um, Reese, Reese, and Chilwell are gonna be busy boys. Busy boys. I'm. I'm so happy. Reese is definitely going to play. Yeah, I think. Do you think he did that actually yesterday? 
yeah, 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 100%. He said, he said the reason he gave was, which is a little bit of a weird one, he was like, we need more height in a back three, which worked. But then I still didn't understand why you wouldn't have Reese. Well, Asp's just a little bit more intelligent, isn't he? Asp's a little bit more intelligent. Um, and he's just, he's so risk-free. One of the best one-on-one defenders yeah. we have. Yeah, and it's just, you know, you trust him not to make the mistake. Whereas Reese, I, said, I do, oh, I trust him, don't get me wrong, but not as much as I trust Aspi to not make a mistake in a very, very crucial game. He went for experience and intelligence and it worked. Going for height is interesting, you know, because West Ham and Chelsea both score the most from corners and set pieces. Both got nine goals so far, so it made sense. Who's your back three? You know, Who's your back three for Real Madrid? So if Reese plays right wing back... Dave plays like every game for Tuchel now funny enough with the exception of Brighton which was like the weirdest game of the season so I I assume then Dave just goes back to I know what you're trying to do right back three I see what you're trying to do Antonio Rudiger of course is starting on um, the left side of the fence Ben Shurwell left wing back hmm if I get my numbers correct we've only got one position left yeah I I would have um, Christensen over Jorginho in midfield and then I'd put Thiago Silva (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, what would I do? What would I do? Hmm. One of the best centre-backs we've ever seen in the last 10 years, and Thiago Silva. Christensen is good, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, do you know what? I would probably play Thiago over Christensen. Because... This is why you buy Thiago Silva in the first place. Yeah, 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 exactly. Real um, Madrid and you're not playing Thiago Silva, like... Yeah, that would be nuts. And also, again, just just greater intelligence and experience is going to be needed against intelligent and experienced players. You're going to need ben- those... Benzema against chess. Thiago Silva, you know. Well, it won't be. It'll be Rudiger's battering him around the whole, <laughs> the whole game. You just know Rudiger's going to be taking clumps. Mm. I, I do worry that Rudiger's going to be too pumped. And he's going to get sent off. He takes. I feel like he takes too much pre-workout and just goes yeah. on the pitch like... Yeah, he just takes looking. double creatine before he gets on the pitch. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like yeah. he takes like more than the dose actually, you know, given to you. And uh, no, I and Christensen will naturally then come back in against Fulham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, fine. I, that's. Fine. I really hope Cover's back for. See, this is the thing. It's it's gonna. You can't. We can't just keep playing Jorginho and Kante with the amount of games we have. If if Cover's not ready for Fulham. Why not put Gilmore in there to rotate one of Kante or Georgie? I just don't quite grasp why. I'd probably, probably sit Gilmore as a false nine against Real Madrid, mm-hmm. give him the captain's armband, <laughs> put, put him on pens, free kicks. <laughs> Maybe put him in goal for pens. Yeah, get, um, uh, <laughs> Lewis Bate, play him in midfield as well. Oh, oh that'd be brilliant. Um, is it... I, okay, I'm not even going to throw it out there. I was going to say, do you reckon Kepa's got a chance to start him? But I don't think so. He's, he's been very good, though. Um, and maybe He's he got, what, bit... four or five clean sheets? He hasn't conceded a goal for Tuchel yet. Um, who would be your front three? That, that is the hardest part, because let's be real, it's going to be Mendy, Reese, Azpi, Thiago, Rudiger, Chilwell, Jorginho, Kante. Well, front two, because you've got Mason. So who's the... I think if Tuchel is looking to counter, like he has done a lot in his big games... I would go Werner, Mount, Ziyech. Because I think it's a front three that I can give you actual evidence has worked. I'm going off off the against Liverpool. 
and against Man City. Yeah. That front three worked. The way Ziyech, Werner and Mount linked together worked well. So that's, I'm, I'm not just going with what hypothetically, and also going realistically just based on Tuchel's track record. Yeah. Um, I don't like Werner Pulisic Mount because I think Pulisic and Werner get in the way of each other. I think it limits either one of those two games. I, I, I think they take up similar positions, so I think it hurts those two players. Pulisic Havertz Mount is the other one that has looked the most devastating under Tuchel, it, but in only one game against Crystal Palace, mind you. Um, that's one I have more confidence to score goals. If I was to say that would be a front three, I think... But I feel that that's a front three. It's strange though because he because ha- he changes it so much. We haven't been able to see that front three as much as I would have liked to because we saw it against Porto in the second leg. But Porto in the second leg was such a bizarre game where Chelsea were just trying to run the clock down. Um, and I think Pulisic's in that sort of form at the moment where he can be a, a bit of a game changer. Kai didn't play at all yesterday. Does that mean he's going to start on Monday? Uh, sorry, on Tuesday. It's th- this is the big problem for me that I think that we still, and probably it's just going to be the way it's, it is for the rest of the season. It's just you have to trust Tucker when he puts out that front three. There's a reason why he's no doing Callum. it. I just don't think Callum's going to get into the team at, in that front three because he hasn't done it really. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. And the only time Callum get, I think Callum is almost guaranteed to start at right wing back against Fulham. Because I think 100%. it's a game where Chelsea will have a lot of the ball. Fingers crossed Kovacic is back because then you can have him and Jorginho in the middle. You know, a bit like Crystal Palace. You know, you filter the ball left to right um, and really dominate dominate possession. And I think that get that game works for Callum because he can press up the pitch a lot more. He's not going to play Callum, I don't think, against Real Madrid. Um, unless Tuchel that would has seen, be amazing. Unless, be unless Tuchel has seen something on Real Madrid's left side that he thinks I can exploit that and Callum can have the freedom to push up the pitch as much as he wants. I I, I think Reese James has done so much to justify being that right wing back in such a big game. Mm. But the front three is, as we constantly do, I mean, it's just so confusing because one week we see Timo Werner, he'll go through a bit of, you know, good good form and you think, oh yeah, he's going to play and then he'll go off the boil or he won't get picked and then we'll see Kai Havertz and he'll do something good and we... We'll see Christian Pulisic do something good. I mean, the constant in this front three, every front three you throw out, has Mason has to be in that front three somewhere. And it's just the other two that you pick. Um, I would just go Timo, Ziyech and Mount simply because of the evidence I've seen in games. I think that front three works if, if Tuchel is just looking to sit back and use pace on the counter. If he wants to retain a bit more of the ball and wants to go out there and dominate possession a bit more, I think you'd probably need Kyle Pulisic in that, probably for Timo. Um, and maybe Ziyech, you take out, you know, that, that'd be my preferred sort of front three. Because um, I, I still think that, you know, Timo Werner just lacks quite a lot in build-up play that I think Pulisic gives you a lot more. Obviously, Mason gives you and Kai gives you as well. Yeah, if Pulisic plays, Ramos is going to feast. You just know Ramos is going to look at that fragile guy and just torch him. Like that, that's who I'm worried about more than anyone is, is Sergio Ramos. One, because I, I do think he's uh, the greatest centre-back since 2000. And I will, not, I will not hear any other argument for that. I think that's clear. 
I believe Ramos is one of the greatest centre backs of all time. And in games like this, you just know he's going to score. It's just like it's almost worth considering Zuma just to battle Ramos in the air. It's it's almost worth it, just because you know that oh that one guy that always scores a header in the ninety second minute when there's only been one minute of added time is Sergio Ramos, and he'll do it. He will he will do it. I wouldn't be surprised if he scores the winner in the Champions League final. He's that guy, and that's why I've always wanted him at Chelsea. Because oh, can you imagine a Ramos Terry back? Oh, that would have just been ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'd take him now. I honestly would. I'd take him now. Um, and then he could wear a captain's armband. Um, my, I'm, what gives me confidence is I genuinely, I know people are going to say, oh, he's won, you know, all these Champions Leagues, he's won that league. I don't think Zidane is a tactically astute manager on the level that Tuchel is. <laughs> Here we go. This is going to be played back next week when we've lost 5 0. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Zidane masterclass. Ramos scores four, and I'm just gonna be there like sound. No, because Ramos next week, scores... next week, all you'll be talking about is Jorginho wearing the captain's armband. God, if I see that, if I see that against Real Madrid, I'm yeah. actually gonna go mad. You know, Jorginho's um, scoring the winning penalty for us in the Champions League yes, final. I know, and he'll be wearing the captain's armband. I'm gonna get DMs from people of him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Zidane's incredible at allowing players to do what they're good at. And I know that sounds a very, very derivative, basic statement, but he's very good at not overcomplicating things, doesn't dilute anything. He, he knows where to put the right players in the right position for the right game. And that's actually something a lot of managers don't do. You know, you see Pep consistently get that wrong in big games with his, his sort of free jazz um, football. Uh, but I do, I do believe that, that Tuchel is a more or a greater tactician. And that might play in Chelsea's favour as the Real Madrid squad, you could argue, is probably slightly better. You know, Varane Ramos at the back... I, I see a lot of people wanting Varane at Chelsea. I, I personally don't. Um, I want Mark Gohe at Chelsea. <clears throat> well, yeah, you would. Bloody Brexit bandit over there. Um, yeah, he would. I, I personally don't. I want to see um, some... I can't, even, I can't even think of a funny name. I can't, Tarkovsky. Yeah. I want to see Tarkovsky. I want to see Lewis Dunk. <laughs> yeah, oh, Tarkovsky, Dunk, Gohe, back three... Beautiful, but yeah, Beautiful. it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game. Um, yeah, tough, exciting. It's the team I wanted us to play. Mm. Um, yeah, that that's what I wanted to see. If you, you know, beat no Real Madrid and PSG, yeah, that is crazy. That's crazy, and it does. You know, I I agree with you. I think the FA Cup and the the league is more important. Um. Obviously, the FA Cup is the most realistic chance we will have to win a trophy. And we can't play down. We are the favourites, despite Leicester having, I don't know, a Leicester having a better season, probably. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Based on the amount of money that both teams spend and the quality of both squads, absolutely, they're, they're, they're having a better yeah. season than us. So, you know, that's going to be a fascinating game. And I don't expect it to be easy whatsoever. I would still rather come top four than win the FA Cup, though. 
um, just because of the ramifications for next year. But but you know we'll be in the championship next year anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, so maybe going out of a trophy would be good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. There's a lot to look forward to. But this is the point where we'd hear the like, and then there'd be like a nice jingle for the post pod. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Um, I'm kind of kind of bored of talking football. How's your week been? Crazy, man. It's been. Uh, I mean, it's just it kind of been dominated by obviously Chelsea stuff, uh, the ESL stuff. I just sort of had to take two days off making videos after Tuesday because I was just like, I sort of reassess things and sort of just. It just felt weird because I could have like on Wednesday or Thursday just made a video talking about transfer news, but I just haven't because it just felt sort of wrong. You know, I just I still just wanted to sort of see the reaction and just maybe focusing on other things as well. I uh, wrote my piece for the fanzine, uh, which was about Tuesday evening uh, and sort of the experience there and, and just, you know, looking forward to next season and. I, I'm excited for next season. I'm, I just this has just been an exhausting season. I, I, there's no other way to put it. Even if it does end brilliantly, um, that's sort of my main feeling about twenty uh, twenty one. It's just it's been a a crazy season. I was just I was just going through all like the big things that have happened this year, and I think if you throw on top of the fact that we're in in a pandemic and fans haven't been allowed in stadiums, it just the amount of uh, nonsense that's gone on this year. I just think has made it quite a, a slog I have to say um, not the most enjoyable season but um, I don't know I, I, I am I am ready for a little bit of a breather from Chelsea at the end of this year yeah the Euro the Euro is going to be a nice a nice um, a nice watch hmm. who do you reckon is going to win the Euros have we discussed this before I think I think um, I don't know if we have but maybe maybe I don't know France I think I said France um before. I got absolutely laughed out for saying Spain. Yeah, I mean, I, I maybe they're not ready yet. I don't think they are. I, I, it's going to be a strange tournament, so you could see a, a surprise winner in a sense because of all the permutations surrounding this season, players being tired, injuries, the quality of football. I, I expect it could go one of two ways because everyone's fatigued. And the season's been such of a slog, it could make the tournament very dull or it could make the tournament very unpredictable and crazy and then that makes it very entertaining. You know, no one can defend. It could be one of those tournaments, a bit like uh, in, the, in the previous two World Cups. Um, but I expect... I'll tell you it... what, I've got a question. I've got a question. Who would you pick to win the Euros that, like, not England? So obviously England's a given. But if England aren't going to win it, who, who are you going to hope win it? Uh, I'd like to see Italy win it or Germany I'd say maybe Germany just because you know there's a few Chelsea players have been there um, I don't other than England I don't really have many teams that I'm like yeah I want to see some proper rogue side Switzerland oh yeah 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 I'd, yeah, yeah it would be quite funny to see like a Greece 2004 thing happen oh, it'd again. be amazing wouldn't it it'd be mm. such a good good thing to come out of like all this sort of shit turbulent <laughs> year of football see some some like smaller country it's absolutely torture i mean if being realistic i'd love to see hazard win it yeah but but this is yeah. but this is like the one tournament i don't really have belgium as like one of my favorites because uh, yeah, no, because i've i've seen them 
in tournaments I've been like, yeah, this is going to be the one where they do something serious and they never do something as serious. Like they've got to a semi-final think, a couple yeah, times. Yeah, I think they're past it now. I think they're past it. Their, their golden era wasn't able to do it. Unless Lukaku, De Bruyne and Hazard can have a ridiculous tournament and Maybe, just, and just drag and then just drag their team with them, um, which could help them. I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be curious to see what happens with England because I... I there is that excitement, but we know of England, you've always got to have that caution because, you know, you don't want to go overboard because we've, we've, we've been here before. But it's not silly because remember the World Cup in 2018? There, there is a positive feeling yeah. around I'd that. I'd say so. we're maybe third favourites to win it. Hmm. I, I, I believe France are probably number one. And then I, I reckon Portugal probably second. I haven't looked at the sort of bookies favourite, but pff, don't care about them. I, I reckon England are sort of second or third in terms of most likely to win. Like England's squad is a joke. So admittedly, the defence is is not as good as the attack, but the the team is is mental. Um. Yeah, Germany good as well. I don't think their team's as good as England's. Um, and and the thing is, you know, no other team's got a striker better than Harry Kane. Which always helps. I mean, obviously France have Mbappe, but I, I don't. He's not a striker. He's just a goal-scoring winger. And uh, you know, even in midfield, there's few teams with midfields that are superior to England's. You, you know, France is, granted, maybe Germany in terms of Goretzka and Kimmich. But I, I think Henderson is a wonderful player, and I know Chelsea fans don't might not necessarily agree. I think Bellingham is a stunning player. Mason Mount is. Very close to being a world-class footballer. Phil Foden, exactly the same. You know, we've got players like Grealish, Sancho, Sterling, and yeah. And I trust, like, I trust Trent if he's going to be there. I reckon he probably will. Um, Reese, you know, the goalkeepers. I'm still a bit sus on. I would be playing Nick Pope, but it'll probably be um, Pickford. Shaw and Chilwell are both decent. It's not a weak team. In, in any sense. I mean, I, I actually think Maguire is better than people give him credit for as well. He's better in a back three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually he's actually a decent he's a decent player. It's just 80 million is funny. And when he makes mistakes, they're always funny. So, you know, but that that's going to be a nice break from such, such his, a heavy... His gear. question we, we asked last time. This summer... Um, how long until everyone, well, I think they already are, uh, call in once again for the club to spend $2 billion on oh, new players? Oh, I've already seen it. already seen it. It's about five minutes Jay, after have, the year. Jay, why aren't you moving on, Jay? Why aren't you moving on? The only player I really want to sign is Declan Rice. The rest I don't really care. Lukaku, I mean, the thing is, if Tammy goes, then fine. We need a replacement. That's the thing. I, I want replacements. Is it is it morally wrong to call to for big transfers if we get money in to invest in those transfers? So like a bit like in recent years, we we get the money through players, you know, sales. You know. Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Like because obviously you're gonna have Barkley, Barkley going, Loftus Cheek going, probably maybe Gallagher, maybe you know maybe someone like Jorginho, maybe Zuma, um, the, one of the left backs, obviously maybe two of them. There's gonna be money there. But I, I understand where you're coming from. I'm struggling with this whole like, oh yeah, let's just spend loads of money again. But we don't want to be in the ESL because money's bad. 
So it's a very hard place, to, <laughs> very hard place to be in. But you um, want Don, but you want Don Aruma. You want the club to like spend all of the money on on Raul yeah. and go and, and drive up yeah, to his estate and go give us yeah, Don Aruma. Um, because I think a long-term investment is a good idea, and the fact that you don't have to pay. If Donnarumma, if you had to, if you, if Donnarumma had three years left in his contract and you had to buy him, he would probably be close to 100 million. In other news, uh, Chris Wood has scored a first half hat trick away to Wolves. <sighs> Wolves are rubbish, mate. What has happened to Wolves? Well, it's that people have worked him out, and Adama Traore is rubbish, and people just think he's great. He he absolutely carried them last season, and he's dreadful. He is so bad. I won't hear anything else. He's luckily we ain't playing Wolves again this season, so <laughs> I don't care. When he pl- when we played him, I was like, this guy sucks. <laughs> like everyone's like people want to buy him for fifty million. There's one rogue Wolves fan listening to this podcast right now that has just saved that clip in it. He's just he's just got his Adama Traore yeah, tattoo yeah. finished, <laughs> and, he's, and, he, and he's waiting time. for next season when Adama Traore has a man of the match performance against us, and he I roasts know. Andreas Christensen, and, and you're going to be done. Well, that's okay because Andreas Christensen's going to get a ten year contract in summer, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, I mean. What are we calling this podcast? I don't know what to call it. I could be lazy and call it Vorsprung Dutch Timo, like we said Vorsprung Dutch Kai, (laughs) but I just... Well, no, I haven't said anything outrageous, and I don't think you have either. No. Because what people don't realise is some of the titles that don't get put out (laughs) are so good. They're so good, but they, they don't, one, one specifically... (laughs) That would end our careers. Yeah, 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 I won't say. Um... I don't know, mate. I don't know. But it, there'll be some sort of title, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have anything else to add before we uh, leave people's eardrums? Falcon and Winter Soldier episode uh, six was quite good. Just nerdery. It's too much for me. You don't hear me talking about the books I'm reading. Oh my god! Imagine me doing every other Sunday film and book club. Well, as well, uh, I I saw you skating the other day. Yeah, with, with the beanie on as well. Always, yeah, always. It's because my uh, hair is quite thin, so as soon as I skate, my curtains open, and then they they don't close, and it's just a bad look. So you know, yeah, I got a fifty-fifty front shove off a big bench. That was a nice little clean one. Um, but yeah, okay, Tony, all calm down. Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, I've got a few jobs to do today, but hopefully I'll get out for a little bit of a skate. I I don't think I'm going to watch the Spurs City game because I'd rather literally do anything else. So, so yeah. Um, but on that note, I, as always, have been Jay McIntosh, been joined by uh, the YouTuber, world-famous Football London, Chelsea writer, uh, French revolutionary Daniel Childs. And we will catch you next time where hopefully Chelsea have had a decent result over over Real Madrid and and Chelsea women get a good one over Bayern Munich. So, yeah, we'll catch you next time, guys. Uh, Don't forget to like the podcast, rate it, share it, play it to people, put it on. You know, if you get the orcs in the car, put it on. If you're on Bluetooth, then put it on still. Uh, And, yeah, do all that good stuff. And we'll catch you next time. Peace.